What is it, Major Lawrence, that attracts you personally to the desert? It's clean. That's Peter O'Toole as T.E. Lawrence, of course, in the film Lawrence of Arabia. George Steinmetz is also a man attracted to the desert, so much so that he's devoted 15 years of his life to photographing desert regions around the globe. Like T.E. Lawrence, Steinmetz often traversed deserts by camel and on horseback. But to capture truly unique views of the desert landscapes he visited, Steinmetz hopped on his motorized paraglider. You can see the results in his stunning new book of aerial photographs called Desert Air. Steinmetz traveled to over 30 countries on seven continents on his quest. And like T.E. Lawrence, he was not always welcomed by the locals. Here's how he describes a run-in with the authorities in Iran. I've been flying near the uh, Afghan border, and uh, I was accused of jumping out of a, an American like a spy plane or something and taking uh, aerial photos on my way down. My problem was I had, a, I had permits and a, and a visa to be in Iran. I had permits from the civilian authorities, but the military authorities were not consulted and, and were not amused. And, of course, it wasn't a military plane. It was your paraglider. Yeah, but it was such a, it's a hybrid aircraft. They never seen anything like that. You, <laughs> you, you run to take off and land. It's kind of like a, my aircraft is kind of like a lawn chair with a, a leaf blower attached to the back and like a, almost like a spinnaker wing or a parachute overhead. So you're summoned back to Tehran. What happens then? Well, we had a meeting with Mr. Koshvad, who was in the ministry. I think it was the Ministry of um, like Religion and Guidance. He was a, a wonderful guy, but he, he understood that my, my intentions were, were sincere and I was not a spy. He decided to, to let me go. They wanted to, to go through my film, and I realized it was kind of like unraveling a sweater. If I gave him one roll, then they want another and another. <laughs> right. And I had hundreds of rolls of film. And also, I didn't think they'd be able to process it properly. And I just would just all get damaged and never get it back. So um, I, I refused. But he was very nice. He, he let me go. And he, he uh, told me that they would have to look at some of my film before I left. But I should leave it in a safe place in Tehran because where I was working in Sistan, Baluchistan province, uh, the government doesn't really have control of the area. And he was concerned about my safety and the safety of my precious pictures. Well, it, it sounds very troublesome, but while you were there, you got some amazing pictures of the city of Bam. Now, we should point out that uh, two weeks after you photographed it, Bam was hit by an earthquake, leveled the city. Uh, that must have been pretty shocking. I mean, have, have you been to other places that have changed so dramatically since you were there? I do exploration photography, so I usually don't go back to most places again. I usually go and I do my thing. I go and I check them out and explore them. And then I move on to another area, especially with a project like mine where I was trying to cover every patch of, of super dry land on the planet. I had a lot of territory to cover. Right. Um, so I didn't really have the opportunity to go back to uh, many places multiple times. But these deserts, when you look at them, they, they seem extremely sterile and they are fairly static. And so when people go in and um, even a, a car track can last in some desert environments for hundreds of years, the, the dry valleys of Antarctica, a footprint there will last a thousand years or more. And then uh, the frozen desert, you mentioned Antarctica. What was that like? Uh, well, it's really tough working down there. Um, I got a, a grant from the National Science Foundation, and they let me work at a McMurdo station, uh, their main base to supply the South Pole. And I was in there for, for 10 weeks. They gave me for, pretty much carte blanche to go where I wanted to go, and I got um, they gave me 13 hours of dedicated helicopter time. So it was a great opportunity. But when you're down there, the environment's really tough. I went down there in the, the first flight of the spring, and um, when you're working there, they make you sleep outside, like in, in a tent in 30 below. Um, <laughs> Gosh. So you feel kind of like a husky, you know, when you're sleeping down there. And I'd have trouble with, like, the um, the camera getting frozen to my, to my face. Um, it was really tough. I mean, I, I was still a smoker at that time, and I had to carry a little Altoids box to put my to flick my ashes in because it's you feel like you're in a crime scene, but they don't want you to leave any trace. All, all waste, even, you know, human waste, 
you have to take out of there. So um, they want you to leave no trace. But even your footprints there in the dry valleys will stay for uh, hundreds, if not thousands of years. Now, uh, referring to another desert, the Dead Sea Basin, you write, uh, if this was the promised land, it had been promised to too many people. There's one picture here of a nude beach uh, on the Dead Sea, and I'm looking and I'm seeing hardly a single man in sight. Oh, that might be a man right there. Um, that was the ladies' section. That's the ladies' section. I see. The men's section was adjacent, but right. behind so, a, a large wall. So there you are in your paraglider, flying over these naked women. Uh, pretty clever. What did they think? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I got in a little bit of trouble there. I had scouted it out because it's the kind of situation you would never see from the ground because there are big uh, kind of barrier walls around that beach. But I, I, I scouted out in a small plane. I thought it'd be interesting. And so I went back on the Jewish Sabbath because it was more crowded that day. And I was flying over it, and when it was at kind of maximum uh, density of people, and I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I had to fly back and forth to get exactly the, the angle I wanted to get on the place. After a while, I noticed that there was a little green car that was following me around on the ground. Like every time I went up and down the beach, this little green car was shadowing me. And then uh, my friend Francois, who had been flying there with me early in the morning, came in the radio and said that the, the cops had, uh, had found our takeoff place, and they were really hot and bothered. Oh, dear. And I should come back quite soon. Yeah, so what happened? Well, I got arrested again. <laughs> in Israel this time. Yeah. And, your and, uh, your equal, equal opportunity anyway. Well, it's kind of curious. He was, he was an Arab cop. He was really uh, hot and bothered. He confiscated the camera, which I usually would, would never give up. And he took us back to the police station. And, he, and before I landed, I had, I had switched the memory card in the camera and started taking pictures like mad. And he went through all the pictures that were in the camera. And uh, there were a few pictures of naked people, but they were all pictures of men. And he said, oh, that's, that's disgusting. And, he, and he, he kicked me out of the police station for being disgusting. But there were no pictures of women there, so it was okay. Yeah, I mean, th- there is something slightly suspicious about a man uh, flying in a motorized uh, parachute taking pictures of, of things on the ground. Especially naked women. <laughs> so you, you've had some uh, scrapes with the law, but you've had, actually had some physical scrapes, too. Uh, uh, spills, including hitting a tree in China. Yeah, I had a bad takeoff in China, and I uh, hit a tree and got 17 stitches in my face that morning. The aircraft, people think it's really, it's super dangerous to fly the kind of aircraft I do, and uh, I'll grant you it's not like a Boeing, but <laughs> um, but when you do have accidents, it's kind of like falling off a bicycle. Yeah. It, it's not, uh, it's it usually get banged up, or, or but it's usually not catastrophic. George, there are 230 photos in this book, stunning photographs, but if you could, which one holds the most significance for you? Um... Well, you know, it's kind of like Sophie's Choice. They're all beautiful. I mean, all these desert environments, I find them beautiful in their own way. There was one picture, uh, some of the pictures that I take the most pride in are ones that were extremely difficult to do. And uh, I took a photo in uh, in Bolivia at a high-altitude lake where there was a bunch of flamingos taking off. And I was about, oh, probably about 40 feet above the flamingos on the lake when, when they took off. And the lake is up 14,000 feet, and it's very, very tough to fly at those altitudes. Well, our listeners can see that picture along with some of the other photographs that were mentioned in our interview with you, George Steinmetz, the photographer behind this new fantastic book of aerial photographs called Desert Air. Very good to meet you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.